This coming from the company that named the sequel to the Wii, the Wii U. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. Hello and welcome to Debate This, a show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how the void is now full from everyone screaming into it. <laughs> no more screaming into the void, guys. Hashtag the void is full. <laughs> I, I there's no comment like I don't what, nope. what do you yeah. what else do you okay. say to that that's nope. it is what it is I mean it's June 4th I don't know if we're gonna live to see tomorrow the void is full y'all like that's it <laughs> that's it the tank is clean the void is full yeah I wasn't even looking at the void but now the void is looking at me yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first problem you don't ever stare straight into the void yep. it's impolite um so we can all just admit that villains are like way cooler than heroes right Guys, yes. just as a, yeah. like almost always, like from Loki stealing the show in, in Thor and the first Avengers movie, to the Joker now being a more popular character than Batman, or just the undeniable success and popularity of Shadow the Hedgehog. Undeniable. <laughs> Villains just get to be way cooler than the heroes they go up against. I mean, Shadow had like a car and a gun. That's yeah. way cooler than any other The Hedgehog to be introduced. And he he, he was trying to kill the president. <laughs> That's rad. <laughs> it's so weird that like that is the actual thing. Oh, we're on a list. Now we're on yeah. a list. <laughs> so real talk, I shared that information with a different set of friends the other day, and they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, that's actually the plot. <laughs> it's not even a shadow. bit. It's, it's just legitimately what it is. Sonic canon. <laughs> so for that reason, the good people at Marvis and Marvis Media, Media International have asked me to produce a game from a classic franchise that tells a different point of view. Uh, much like the comic Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, the show Breaking Bad, or the Star Wars prequels, uh, Marvis and Marvis won a game that takes a character we love to hate and turn them into the hero of their own story. Um, I didn't come up with nicknames for this next part. <laughs> <laughs> Look up old timey, old timey, or uh, winners of the Kentucky Derby. That's always Kyle. Good <laughs> Kyle really phoning it in this week, Harper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Old timey uh, baseball names. Oh, there it is. That's good, Tom. <laughs> Consummate professionalism here. Help me find the best fit. I've asked for the help from Matt Oswego Starchboxes Cole, Andrew <laughs> Pittsburgh Burgers Henderson, and Todd Cleveland Infants Thomas. These are turn of the century baseball team names. So Good. I guess Oswego <laughs> was known for its starch. starch boxes. I don't know. I know I've been to Pittsburgh Burgers before. That's a restaurant that I've eaten and at. And Cleveland was known for its infants. <laughs> it still is. Th that first one is really good. Those last two feel very phoned in. <laughs> I'm sure there's no other bad ones out there, though. Yeah, it's like the, the Columbus buses. Like, <laughs> Come on. But because this is such a big project, we have brought in some extra special help today with friend of the show host of the youtube channel around the monitor zach web city web feet 
Schneider. <laughs> what is up? Welcome, Zach. We are so glad to finally have you on the show. You and your webbed feet. And yeah. your, you and your webbed feet. I'm very sensitive um, about them. I have guest, guest starred, guest hosted, whatever you call it, on Around the Monitor. But why don't you tell our listeners about it and where they yeah. can find you if they like what you do today? So we have a... Like you said, it's it's primarily a YouTube channel. I do uh, video essay content on like anything from why the Forest Temple theme from the Ocarina of Time is the best ambient song in a video game to right now I'm working on a video about how old school RuneScape is actually saving the lives of people in Venezuela. It's a ridiculous and wild oh, that's story. Rad. But oh, it's wow. very true. Can you give us like a like a tight five on that? I'm it's just yeah. it's real, I'm really curious now. Uh, basically, hyper <laughs> leave us wanting more though, because we want to actually go to the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hyper yeah. hyperinflation in Venezuela is so insane right now that two years ago they changed their five dollar notes. They basically had to reprint bills. So they don't have five dollars and one dollars and twenty dollar bills anymore. They have one hundred thousand dollar bills, five hundred thousand dollar bills. Like their inflation is absolutely Shit. ridiculous to the point that if you work a minimum wage job there, you make less than $10 a month. Oh, wow. So people, people are playing RuneScape. They basically make an account, like level it up, make it really strong, or like make a bunch of gold, and then sell that to people for real world US dollars. And they're getting like $2 here and there, eventually to the point that they make $100 a month for playing like oh. 50 hours a week. Wow. Which wow. is not great, but it is 10 times what they would be making if they actually if worked, they worked a, job. a job yeah wow. uh wow. it's it's pretty wild now that you say that that's not new and it i know for a time or at least a portion of the people it, they did that with magic Warcraft. the gathering online oh. and totally. would buy and sell digital cards and then sell the the tickets the currency in the game for, yeah. for money just too. just crazy yeah like, how how prominent it is how how prevalent it is for for people like like it's become like a very real thing and there's like interviews with people that I I found where they're like oh yeah like everybody in Venezuela is playing this game because it's the only <laughs> way we can make a wow. living that's crazy I now have a better understanding of Venezuelan selling RuneScape <laughs> accounts than I do of Bitcoin even though they are the same concept <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but we we also do a podcast uh, that's kind of like uh, ESPN's Around the Horn, except instead of talking sports news, we do video game news and and so on and so forth. And that's that's what Kyle uh, made yes. on the show before. Yes, I've not been a part of the video essays. I've been more of the talk. I've been a talking head, and <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, his essays are fantastic. He does you do great work on your essays. Um, Thank you. So please. Please support Zach and um, go check out Around the Monitor. What's the what's the URL? Uh, YouTube.com slash Around the Monitor. Cool. Nice. Awesome. So, guys, uh, we are here today to do a job. And that job is cast an old villain, a classic video game villain in a game, and decide which game we're going to make. So, question one, what game do you want to see remade from the point of view of its villain? Tell us about why you chose them to see them as a hero, describe the plot, gameplay, anything sp- that makes your game special, this is the time to drop it in. Matt, what do you got for us? Okay, Kyle, so we established a few weeks <laughs> he ago... He says while pulling his hair out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at my wall of red yarn and thumbtacks behind my computer right now, <laughs> trying to follow one strain of thought. Anyway, 
We established a few weeks ago that I am the lone sports gamer on this podcast. Zach, I don't know about you. Do you play sports games? Uh, Does, does kart racing count? So not I, if it has Mario in front of it. <laughs> it does not. So I am the lone sports gamer in this podcast. But in 2006, an NFL-branded game came out that not even I understood. It was called NFL Head Coach. It was effectively... Oh, shit. I remember this game. <laughs> yeah, right? It was effectively yeah. a business sim for jocks and high school sports stats nerds. It was a football game in which you literally played no football. You were the head coach. You drafted a team. You made a playbook. And then you pressed, like, run on a computer simulator. And it played football for you that you could watch and not participate in. I do not understand this concept. It's foreign to me. <laughs> there's there's a lot of crossover between people who like football and huge, huge nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I know the baseball version of this game is alive and well on Steam and very, very popular. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yes. This game got a sequel in 2009 and it was all based on uh, a soccer manager game, which was yeah. rebranded by FIFA in like 2006 but existed unbranded as a managerial type game before that. It's all like it's sports themed real time strategy. That's all it is. It's an RTS yep. game with a sports skin. RTS, you so say. It's fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. It's just fantasy football. It's fantasy football with less friends. <laughs> okay. You had Good. my interest. Now you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so today, when I sat down to crank out answers to this prompt, Literally 15 minutes ago, my brain thought of two things, NFL head coach and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So follow me here. Ganon has been the consistent villain of the Legend of Zelda series, except for like, I don't know, there's five or so games when he's not the villain in the Legend of Zelda series. I, I really I'm really disappointed you are not making a game from the point of view of NFL villain Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go that close to reality. <laughs> go on. So Ganon is such a staple of the franchise that he has been made a playable character in other games like Super Smash Brothers Melee and Super Smash Brothers Brawl, and Super Smash Brothers 4, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and maybe some other games that I don't know about. Obviously, everyone wants to play as the dwarf, but in Breath of the Wild, Ganon is no more than a floating wisp of evil contained by Zelda in the ruined Hyrule Castle. Until the climax of the game, Link's only interaction with Calamity Ganon are with ancient guardians around the continent of Hyrule. So now, imagine with me an RTS-style NFL head coach game <laughs> where you play as Calamity Ganon, confined to your <laughs> office, and you have a legion of evil guardians to control to hunt down one squirrely <laughs> boy in a tunic. Now, so the implication here is that you don't watch this unfold. You don't see the Guardians descend on Link and you win the game. You just hit go and a bunch of numbers crunch and you get, you win or you lose <laughs> as a result. And then you do change things up and do it again. Yeah, so that's kind of like the, the idea, but I want to boil it down a little bit for this game and okay. make it a little bit more specific. So the idea that I have is... Similar to like Clash of Clans or any other tower defense game 
but in more of an open world setting where you are Calamity Ganon and you have your ancient guardians and you as, I don't know, the fucking spirit power of Calamity Ganon or whatever, (laughs) have to travel around Hyrule and you can't interact with anything except the guardians and you have to try and use your Calamity to reactivate them. And once you reactivate the guardians they begin to do whatever that particular guardian does in their area, trying to capture Link, who is an NPC running around trying to raid the castle and destroy you. You slapped a a Legend of Zelda skin onto StarCraft. Yeah, I was going to say, Ganon is your hero (laughs) character, who's just, who's like, you do your F1, your F1, F2, F3 is inhabiting, yeah, influencing things. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, I feel a little called out by that, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've done today. <laughs> I like it. I was expecting, well, not. I don't, yes, here's, this was what I, what I was expecting. When you brought up head coach, I was ready for you to say, and then Calamity Gannon purchased the New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought we were going to get like a, they have Mega Man Soccer, which is like a super old and terrible Super Nintendo game. I thought we were going to get Ganondorf's football. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, I want to make clear, is not better than that. It is only different than that. <laughs> An important distinction to make. Um, Todd, what do you have? Do you have something better than that? Yeah, actually, I'm pretty proud of what, what I brought here today. So, What'd you bring us today? Well, so before I go into that, when Matt said Dorf, I think it's important <laughs> that for anyone who remembers, oh, 1993, uh, Cartoon Network used to advertise. Matt doesn't this... remember 1993 because he wasn't born yet. Ding. I was Sing. born in 1993. Born whatever. So it depends on whatever time of the year this was. Make your Cartoon... fucking joke and get out, Todd. Cartoon Network <laughs> used to advertise this video series called Dorf Goes Fishing, and <laughs> this this thing I'm talking about right now is only for about five people that may listen to this podcast, and but four like... of them are you. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Um. Anyway, so we're going to jump 17 years into the future from 1993, and we're going to talk about 2010. So I don't know how many of you all played any of the Fable series, right? But the third Fable game, we, we're going to take what was the villain in the first act of that game, Logan, the King of Albion, who was your older brother, and we're actually going to make the game where he is the hero, because he kind of already is... And if we do this, it'll totally fix Fable 3, and it'll set it on a proper path to make better future Fable games. So, for those who don't know, Fable 3 was a story about how you, the royal hero, the younger brother um, of who is the King of Albion, uh, you are trying to unseat your brother for being this selfish bad king who's doing things that, that aren't nice and making people sad. Um, so you end up escaping Aren't away. You like, you're like leading a resistance, right? Yeah. Against ultimately okay. against your brother. And yeah, so I vaguely remember it. Yeah. So you, you go and you do the shit. And so at the end of the first <laughs> act, you ultimately end up confronting your brother. You like usurp him and you're like, yeah, I'm the king now and I'm going to be a better king than you. Well, he tells you that he's been making really shitty decisions because there's this terrible onslaught of evil things coming and he's had to save money to try and build an army to protect his world. And he's like, shit to you now because you're the king and you got to deal with this now. <laughs> Your problem now. Yeah. So you're yeah. telling me capitalism is the villain of Fable 3? Actually, th- it's called The Crawler 
and it is a big evil thing that is coming to infect them, but also kind of yes. But <laughs> here's the thing. So in this version of this game, you are going to play the role of this king, the OG king, the whole time. And because what happens in Fable 3 is once you take over as the king, you don't ever deal with any real consequences in Fable 3 if you have enough money to buy your way out of them. Just like real life. Just like real right. life. This cool. is a message within a message. And so, because <laughs> it's true, like in, in Fable 3, if you end up like buying up property, which again, this is getting really weirdly capitalist, but if you buy up property and you have all this money, when you get to the final end, you can make all the easy good decisions because you have enough money to fight off the bad thing. So in this version of Fable 3, uh, you are going to put your snotty younger sibling in place by telling him how hard it is to be a leader and making tough choices. And it's going to be different in the sense that you're to get those best results from the tough choices, you're actually going to have to make multiple sacrifices. None of this easy shit like, oh, you save that innocent person's life. So your character's slightly uglier now. Or, oh, you get less money because you didn't turn the orphanage into a gas station or whatever it is in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's like you grind orphans to tur to make oil crude oil or something. It's, it is something <laughs> really bad like that. What? But again, really but again, as the good guy, if you have enough resources, you make the decision very easily. And you're like, yeah, of course we're keeping yeah. it an orphanage. It's great. The, if I remember, the reason why this game gets so much flack is they totally like, they they made this high concept where it's like, you have to, if you want to make good decisions, you're going to get the infinite, you're going to get the immediate, like re the immediate um, reaction of like people thanking you, but you won't have money for your coffers to protect yourself. So like mm -hmm. you're making all of these like singular good decisions to eventually get to a bad one, but they video gamed it. So mm -hmm. like you could, you could, if you played really, really, really well and, mm -hmm. and gamed the system, you could make all the good person decisions and also get the good ending. Yeah, and so we're getting rid of that because we're not coddling <laughs> players anymore in 2020. So you're going to play as this king making tough decisions and like pushing away your snotty younger sibling. And so when they step when they step to you, you're like, no, these are the tough decisions we're making. We can't win them all. And if you want a good ending, you will actually have to make sacrifices. You will have to grind those game. orphans up. You're going to have to oil. grind up those orphans <laughs> into crude oil. It kind of sounds like the Dark Souls of uh, city management. <laughs> it, it's going to feel that way. Because you're going to have to make tough choices. Again, it's going to solve the fable equation where you always found a way to get still a really good ending without having to like deal with any of the really bad stuff. So this is what we're doing. It is fable. You are playing as the king. You are making tough decisions. And you're going to push your snotty younger sibling out of the way when they're like, but you're not leading well. You're going to say, yeah, well, I'm going to save as many people as I can. And that means crude oil. <laughs> It means the infants have to go. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> Thus we get the Cleveland infants. Yeah. Cleveland infants. <laughs> now yep. it's just the Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> the Cleveland, and then you awkwardly stare into the distance. The Cleveland crude oil. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing of Fable 3. I've never yeah. played a Fable game. Uh, but I'm on the Wikipedia, and it had an A-plus voice acting cast. Uh, yeah, it's been real a good. Huge budget game. Yeah, yeah. So Fable. So this is way off now. But like Fable Three didn't stumble in the third act quite like Mass Effect Three did. But I think it had like promised all this really lofty like your choices have consequences, which is kind of what Two did in a decent way. But Three just again, when you hit that huge turn in the middle where it was like, oh my god, my brother's trying his best to protect the kingdom. This all makes sense. There was a solid six year stretch where. 
like the chatter was fable is the fable franchise is the future of video games and then yeah. fable 3 didn't land the plane so everyone forgot about the flavor and the they fable teased franchise. like another yeah. fable and it never happened yeah but... was fable a peter molyneux it uh, was, yeah, it was, was, yeah. That that's why. <laughs> yeah, there it is. He, yeah, it went. It was. It was the. Uh, it was the Hello Games before No Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I remember <laughs> even in the first one, it was like all of your actions make all these or make all these consequences. And and to Todd's earlier point, it's just like you do bad things, you might have a scar in your face. Like it's. it's I I specifically and I think it was in the third one, but it might have been in the second one. I specifically remember at one point you're like making a deal with like a ghost or a right or something, <laughs> and it's like. I have this young woman and I'm going to steal her age to, you know, be alive. And you're like, no, don't do that. And it's like, fine, then I'll steal yours. And you're like, okay. And it has no impact on the game whatsoever, except your character <laughs> except has it face, changes your avatar. Your case has your character has face wrinkles. In fact, the biggest impact that I remember from any fable game was, I think the second one where at the end you have to choose if you want uh love uh, peace or money, I think whatever it is. It was you can save your dog or your family. You know you can save your. You can <laughs> save, no, 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 no. You either yeah. get a, you either get a million dollars. That was like the wealth. Right. Um. You can bring back all the people who were killed in the process of Fable Two, or you can save like your sister and your dog. Oh, we talked about this on another episode. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember which one it was, but we talked about this. Then they then they fucking patched it where yep. you could get your dog back anyway. Yep. yep. Pe people were so salty. People, because because gamers are coddled in twenty. <laughs> whatever this was in the in the 20 aughts and so they they if you did like the the heroes ending where you brought all the people back to life people were like well damn having the dog was the coolest part of the game and so they're like to andrew's point they patched something in where you could just get the dog back like oh. anyway my point here kyle <laughs> is it is going to be fable 3 done the way it was supposed to be done as kind of like but we're not bringing the dog back i mean you're you could have the dog, but that's going to be a choice, and you're going to pay for it. A lot of orphans are going to die there's, if you take that dog. I was going to say, those orphans are going to pay <laughs> for it. I, I really wish we could get... I'm going to find more examples that aren't just the crude oil one um, before we, we get back to me again. All right. I I like that. The you know the, the evil king is actually doing, doing a good thing, kind of, you know, ends justify the means. It's... It's basically just the plot from the, the original Star Wars trilogy before Disney bought it. <laughs> well, and it's, I mean, it's very cool, too, because when you take over as king, it's like you have a one year timer before shit goes south. What do you do? Yeah. But like, again, if you played really smart, it's like, never mind. This won't impact you at all. You're good. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, Andrew, what do you got? Do you have a break from these two? These two very resource managey games. Yeah, well, I do, but we're gonna get there later. Um, I got a lot of bullshit about Earthbound. Any y'all play Earthbound? I know Todd has played has. a lot of a lot of Mother Two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've played with Ness in Super Smash Brothers a couple times. Hey. I also got pretty high and watched a documentary over Mother One <laughs> <laughs> at a conference in That's Portland right. when we were in Portland. Yes, that was that was a lot of fun. I've played half of Earthbound and half of Mother Three. I'm a monster. Ooh. Good, you've played some of Mother Three. Okay, cool. So I'm I'm gonna actually talk about Earthbound and Mother Three. And the reason why they have different names is because in Japan, as Todd alluded to, it's Mother, Mother Two, Mother Three. 
in America because we only had Earthbound translated it, or Mother 2 translated, it's Earthbound. So Earthbound is equivalent to Mother 2. In America, then, we only have one mother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We only have one mother here. So um, 1994's Earthbound, uh, a.k.a. Mother 2, begins with our protagonist, Ness, waking up to the sound of a meteor crashing right outside the middle of his town of uh, Onnit. I think some people say Onet. I say I pronounce it Onnit because that makes sense. It's always been Onnit to me, but... It should be one at. Yeah, except that's, three except that's side, terrible. That's three, awful three, talk. four side. Yeah. yeah. So he, so uh, you as Ness go along with your with your trusty dog as a sidekick to go investigate. Also accompanied by Ness's next door neighbor, Porky Minch, which was then <laughs> translated as Pokey, and then later uh, in Mother Three that was that was fixed back to Porky. Um, Porky's brother Picky has gone mix- missing, uh, so he begs and pleads Ness to let him tag along to help search for him. The thing about Porky is, and for those of you that played Earthbound, you know he fucking sucks. <laughs> he sucks. Porky, Porky is the embodiment of that douchey kid that invited you over to his house just to show off his cool new toy, but won't let you play with it, or that, or that kid that makes you let them win because it's their house. I don't think you can name a character Porky and not have them suck. No. Uh, uh, he's he's effectively Gary Oak, but fat and actually bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, my game asks, what if this dumpy shithole that nobody likes was actually your protagonist? <laughs> oh, what <no>. if? <laughs> Thus I begin my presentation. Uh, <clears throat> so let me, I'm going to quickly just skip through Earthbound lore, and then get you, and then fast forward to Mother Three because it's important to get the the basics here. But we're going to talk mostly about Mother Three today. So Mother Two Earthbound, uh, we we're met, we we meet Buzz Buzz, the alien bee from ten years in the future, who warns Ness. Uh, just just let it let it happen, Matt. This okay. is all <laughs> this is canon. This is real. Just let the let the RPG goodness wash over yeah. you. The listening audience couldn't see the face I made, but I'm sure some of them felt it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know um, Buzz Buzz the alien? Uh Yeah, the he's he's from 10 years in the future and he and he talks. He uh he warns Ness and company about the impending threat of Gigas or Gigas, I guess. Um G G I Y G A S, we'll call him Gigas, uh who is like the big bad of the game. Uh he tells them of a prophecy of four kids who will who are the only ones who can stop Gigas, the chosen ones, if you will. Porky says, "Ooh, that's not me, is it? Oh boy." And uh and plays the scab. <laughs> And uh, it turns basically goes to work for Gygus, uh, eventually becoming his right hand man. Right hand man, excuse me. So for the majority of the game, Porky is kind of one step ahead of you, constantly creating obstacles and subjecting people to Gygus's influence in order to stop you in your quest. And then at the end of the game, um, Ness and team have a final showdown with Porky in the cave of the past, while they're all turned into robots in the past. <laughs> fine as um, as one does yep uh and then up comes porky who's driving a giant spider robot oh again as one does which is pretty metal yeah it's really <laughs> cool. i think you fight against this kind of this porky in subspace emissary yes no yes. no no that is from port mother three which we'll get there he still is in that giant walking spider monster in Earthbound. He too. is. He is in. Yeah. So he. That's how he appears at the end of mother three. What the, the mother lore runs deep. Yeah, it does. Because it all starts with it all starts with Gygus actually comes from the first game, Mother One or Earthbound Beginnings. <laughs> I pulled a mat this week and I went deep on Earthbound lore, um, or Mother lore, excuse me. Uh, Gygus started originally started as a came to Earth as an alien a thousand years ago, 
and befriended character Nintendo's great grandparents and uh, fell in love with Nintendo's great grandmother. And they were able to defeat. They were able to defeat. Nintendo was able to originally defeat Gygus. Who is this for right now, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) This This is for Andrew. And and to torture Matt a little bit, I think. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Mother 1 or 2. So once you defeat Porky, Porky flees in a time machine to another era never to be seen again. Until Mother 3, when he is absolutely seen and heard from again as the (laughs) primary antagonist. So Mother 3... Then takes place on uh, these this kind of uncharted island called Nowhere Islands, um, which is mostly untamed save for the one JRPG as fuck Tasmili Village, which is just your stereotypical remote rural town where like ten people live in, and they all, <laughs> you know, they have one bakery and one cafe and one mayor. Like it's it's just JRPG as fuck. You know, we uh, here we have like ten mayors for each town uh, <laughs> in a normal village, yes, and twenty bakeries. It's a very Japanese thing to have one mayor. I realize that was a bad example, but play in this space w- with me, if you will, new guy Zach. <laughs> so, so throughout the game, you watch as Tasmili transitions from this idyllic remote countryside where the residents live in harmony with dinosaur with the dinosaur population and they don't have any currency they just give each other everything and uh it's just like it is it is purposefully like cute as shit you watch this change to this hyper capitalist ayn rand inspired metropolis (laughs) um also all the animals start to be turned into cyborg death machines oh no yep and behind all of this change is this army of nameless surge soldiers all wearing pig masks. And it's hinted throughout the game, but not actually revealed until the end of it, that the one who's been pulling the strings the whole time was none other than Porky, who appeared mysteriously one day in an alien time machine. So that's your link between Mother 2 and 3. So, <laughs> Mother 3, my pitch for a new version is to tell the story from the other perspective. Uh, so you're going to start as Porky arriving in this remote, untamed part of Nowhere Islands, and all you can, all you, what you have to do is just survive. But unlike a normal survival game, you're fat and you're slow and you're lazy, so <laughs> you can't really fight, you can't really run away, you can't, you know, you're you're already hungry. All you can do is build things for you to do your bit to do your bidding for you. So you maybe you start by finding a squirrel and fitting a slingshot that fires rocks across its back or something. I don't know. Really fucked up. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm on board. Freaking yep. sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. Well, we're gonna get there, Matt. You gotta build. It's a survival game. You gotta build your way to there. You gotta so upgrade. Be... Your squirrel has to level up three times before you That's can trade right. up to the shark. That's absolutely right. You gotta I'm get give more my cat resources. a gun. <laughs> hey if if you can if you can dream it you can do it as long as you have the resources i support the right to arm bears <laughs> as long as you spend three hours uh getting wood from all the trees nearby you can have that cat gun that sentence has never been said out loud before well most of the things on this podcast have not been clarification is the cat gun a gun that goes on cats or a gun that shoots cats Yes. Now, yes. and when and when Matt says shoots cats, does it actually like fire cats? Like cats are the projectiles. It almost functions as a catapult. Get out! Ooh. Get out! No, absolutely Me not. Ouch! Get out! Give <laughs> a soft golf clap for that. Okay, so much like any other survival game, you're gonna complete. You're gonna build more and more resources. You're gonna craft new shelters and 
new machinery and things to to expand your circle of comfort basically so that you can then uh, take on bigger and bigger threats and and so on and so forth you're going to continue civilizing the area until you inevitably reach Tasmili village and that will conclude the first half of the game that i'm going to call earthbound chronicles colon sweet and sour pork god damn uh. it <laughs> Why do we keep letting you name games? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Who hurt you? What made you this way? It's my favorite. Oh, it's become boy. my favorite part of this podcast is naming fake games. So the whole time you were talking, I was like, man, I've heard this story before. Like, I've heard the story of, of the dumpy other kid who is is weak and weird and a nerd, but somehow becomes the evil villain. And I couldn't place it. And I did some Googling, and it turns out it was like season three of the Jimmy Neutron cartoon when Evil Carl showed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've never seen that, but that's fine. It's because right. you're old. Wow. It's because you're old, Andrew. Got I'm him. flipping the Dunk, joke. Get dunked on. That's good. That's really good. Got a blast. There okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that's, I like that. Um, the, Thanks, Kyle. And yeah. only Kyle. Don't yeah. encourage him. <laughs> He's being nice. It's my job to encourage all of you. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like the uh build up from the from the base, from the bottom, your super evil lair. So you and I can't wait to get sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads. <laughs> that brings us to our guest, Zach. What do you what what villain do you want to see as the protagonist of their own game? Well, um <clears throat> I'm a huge huge fan of the original BioShock. I think it is a, a incredibly important and influential video game uh, from the amazing world building of the underwater utopia turned dystopia of Rapture, the fun moment to moment gameplay of swapping between different guns and plasmids, the incredible plot twist that I will undoubtedly spoil at some point while talking about this game today. If you haven't watched it, I, if you if you don't know it, I don't feel bad for you because it's been 13 years. But still, yeah, I think you've got you can call statute <laughs> of limitations on that spoiler, my dude. Yeah, for sure. But before the fall of Rapture. It was built by a man with a dream, and that man's name is Andrew Ryan. And yes, this is a bad semi-anagram for Ayn Rand, <laughs> a famous Thank libertarian Thank you for holding author. our hand to get us there. But his goal was simple, to create a place where people could create and profit off of their own work without any higher power getting in their way. No gods, no kings, only man. There's nothing wrong can go with that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So today I present to you Andrew Ryan's Rapture Simulator. We're still working on the name. It's not perfect yet. But instead of being a first-person shooter where you go through uh, this very interesting uh, environment of Rapture, you're building Rapture. You, you start literally like SimCity. You've got this blank plot of land, except it's you know 2,000 leagues under the sea or something. And you start building up bathospheres. You start building up a society. Maybe you hire in Sander Cohen. Sure, he's a creative genius, but dude's a little crazy. I don't know. <laughs> and, and basically, your job is to try and create the perfect, unchecked capitalist society before it inevitably crumbles under its own weight. Okay. <laughs> I like how I already know how it's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, we'll Seems get there a little in a on minute. The nose. We'll get there in a minute, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it basically functions like I said as a SimCity game. You're you're getting resources, you're building giant bathospheres, you're building these tunnels, you're getting people to come to your underwater town and start to build. You know, different specialists can can provide different uh, bonuses or 
cultural points or like a lot of RTS games, I guess, have like skill trees or like yeah. re- research mm-hmm. research trees, uh, I oh, guess. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, cool. We learned yeah, like how civilization to. Or something. Yeah. Re- civilization. Exactly. So you're like, yes. oh, cool. We learned how to, uh, I don't know. Get underwater sharks with freaking laser beams on them. <laughs> so my where my mind immediately went to is was um this is a bad comparison, but but uh, having playing roller coaster tycoon and making everybody pay to go pee. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so your now, head's in, in the roller right coaster, space. Now in roller coaster tycoon, I made people I gave people a reason to come in, but once they were in, they weren't able to leave, right? Because mm-hmm. like that's how you play roller coaster tycoon. I don't know another way to play it. Um, how do you get people in and convince them that you're going to not bleed them of their all of their cash, but definitely bleed them of all their cash? Well, don't you remember the propaganda that like all was all over Rapture and and every other Bioshock was like, oh, come visit Rapture. Oh, it's yeah. a place to live and it's great. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, it's 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 100 percent a propaganda machine saying, hey, we have this underwater utopia that is free from all uh you know outside influence such as uh you know religion and uh no gods no masters like exactly yeah. masters yeah. did i say ma- uh kings you did it's okay. I, is it masters i think the original quote is no gods no masters but my my shirt that has the goose on it from untitled goose game says no gods no masters <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so my, there it that's is my so there, there's your so there's your source citation uh, <laughs> so no gods, no masters. It's a utopia unless you're part of the working class. Then sorry. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Am I to understand? Am I to understand that all four of us somehow brought a resource <laughs> management game to the table? Yeah. You all turned this question Maybe. into into a big old resource management game. Well, and because I I think there's no because there's not been any other way that games have if like efficiently given you keys to the proverbial villain castle well, because every yeah. villain that every game that you're fighting you're fighting an army of something you never fight the villain until the end so how i do mean you... what are we gonna say like oh i want to play yeah. contra and i'm gonna be the <laughs> alien contra and i'm gonna destroy the world it's actually just the game contra but i'm the alien yeah. this time <laughs> yeah and if i hit you once you die and then i win well the the game that like jumps to mind right off is um the i think it's destroy all humans it was a yeah. PS2 oh, yeah. Xbox game of being an yeah. alien and being mischievous and killing people. But like all of the the you play as the villain games, it's either really upfront from the beginning and there's no real story about why you're the villain. You just are. Or it's yeah. the the fourth act reveal where, oh, my God, you've been playing as the villain. the whole You've time. been the villain the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think what I have learned from this conversation is that the only way to flip a game to be a villain game is to make it an RTS like management system. Yep. As capitalism is the one true villain that controls us <laughs> all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that there's if there's and we're going to get into it because yeah. I know that's what my arguments built off of. And I'm sure that's what Zach's argument is built off of. A hundred percent. All right. So we've got four nitty gritty resource management games and I'm not <laughs> I'm not hating any of them so far. So um, we'll move into question two and give you guys a lot of opportunity to make me hate your games. Um, <laughs> so. Villains often serve as foils to their heroes they go up against, and their final showdown usually highlights the growth the hero undergoes on the journey. Um, you know, you get to you get to use all the cool weapons in succession that you built up over the game. You you get the final like, no, I I sacrifice myself for the greater good hero moment, and it's it's great. We love it. So for question two, we're gonna flip that. What values 
does the hero of your new game exemplify? And how does the villain, the old hero of this franchise, act as a foil to your your new main character? Matt, take us away. Right, so the big battle as far as character traits go uh, are going to be methodical, you playing as the dwarf, as the methodical one, <laughs> and Link, the chaotic one. So it's methodical versus chaotic is the big battle here. And I, I want to bring the reference back of Charlie Kelly with a wall full of red <laughs> string and thumbtacks, because that is my idea for the player of this game. Because it's not going to be totally RNG, where Link is and what Link is doing. It's going to be Link as an NPC playing a very similar game to a player of Breath of the Wild. Hunting for shrines, going town to town, killing moblins and breaking pots. And Link is going to be sort of this chaotic deity, as he is in all <laughs> Legend of Zelda games, where he shows up, busts into people's houses unannounced, Breaks all their shit, steals all their money, and leaves. Because that is what Link has been doing since the NES era. Break all their shit, steal all their money, and leave. And you, the player, as Calamity Ganon, will be trying to track Link through the world of Hyrule and figuring out in which ways and where Link is moving. And it all comes down to the final battle where you, the player, have watched Link learn different techniques and you know what type of dodges and what type of parries Link has learned because you have been watching through the eyes of your guardian. And you, in the very final battle, the only time in the whole game you actually get to play as Ganondorf, I want to repeat, it's the only time the whole goddamn game you get to play as Ganon, um, you have to fight that battle knowing what you know about Link in a methodical way to to win that fight because everybody who played Breath of the Wild thought they were ready to fight Calamity Ganon, got their asses kicked, and then went and grinded for six more months, and then came back and wiped Calamity Ganon so hard the final battle wasn't even that great. And that is pretty much how I expect it to go in this flipped game, where like Link's gonna show up once, you're gonna kick the shit out of him, no big deal. He's gonna come back a few weeks later, way roided out with way too much power and way too better weapons, and he's gonna kick your fucking ass. So you, the player, must learn what Link is doing to try to prepare yourself for that final battle. Or you can skip that final battle completely, get the the good ending of this very bad <laughs> evil game where the Guardians capture Link before he makes it to the castle. Okay. Is there a speedrun version where you can defeat Link in four, in four minutes <laughs> if you know how to shield parry? I mean... Yeah, probably. Isn't there a speed run of every game? Like, somebody glitches every game. Yeah, if you get Ganon to glitch into the ceiling by, like, doing his backwards dodge eight times while looking at the correct pixel, mm -hmm. Link just falls through the floor. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that really broke my brain about Legend of Zelda was shield bouncing and how you can, like, bullet time shield bounce yourself across the entire map of oh, Legend yeah. of Zelda or Breath of the Wild. And so I'm sure that there's some bullshit. The same way you can like ride a guardian and turn it into a spiraling hovercraft. I'm sure there's some <laughs> way to hack this game. But you, the player, in the strategy, are trying not to let that shit happen. That's the goal. You're trying not to make the speedrun happen. Honestly, you, the player, 
are trying to drag this game out as long as you can. You're trying to win the war of attrition versus Link and just throw <laughs> resources at him until he he is out of them. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty, methodical. Pretty OG villain move. Yep, yeah. methodical versus chaotic. That is the name of the game. Um, I have one insufferable um actually for you, but I'll cede my time to people with, with real arguments. <laughs> oh, no, we want to hear your um actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, waiting for yeah, this. Actually. Got it. Yeah. All right, go well, ahead. Um, um actually, uh, Ganondorf is never in Breath of the Wild. Ganondorf is just a man under the influence of Ganon. Calamity Ganon is just yet another version of Ganon, which is the inherent evil that was brought about by the god of the god of that gets recycled every hundred years or or, or. so ganondorf is just one iteration of ganon this is a personal gripe i have about ganon and ganondorf is that almost every (laughs) villain when they go to like their final form or their like boss mode or whatever their name gets longer ganondorf's actually gets shorter (laughs) he drops the dwarf it's true (laughs) which maybe gotta drop the that's a good idea but still yeah we all we all wish we could drop the dwarf (laughs) (laughs) all right i i like it um todd what do you got are you doing something different than just grinding out your your hero oh yeah it's actually it's quite the opposite so okay um i bet it's not he's gonna say it's the opposite and then he's gonna say the exact same thing it is i'll tell you what though if it wasn't the opposite i would still say it's the opposite well right continue talking anyway we know so so the biggest difference so the original uh royal hero uh was the the protagonist from the beginning, Um, you know, your younger brother, he is selfish. He's narrowly focused on what he thinks is right. He's immature. He's self-absorbed. And again, they make decisions that they think are best while in reality, they're missing the bigger picture because they didn't, they didn't ask. They didn't know. They didn't care. And so now you, Logan. Those orphans did need to be turned into crew. Okay, so I looked it up. It's actually, it's actually the difference between turning it into either a school or encouraging child labor. So oh. still bad, but a different kind of bad. <laughs> These two pictures are the same. I do not understand. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you are now, you know, you, Logan, the older brother, the true hero of this game. Um, you are calculated, you are intelligent, and you're ultimately responsible in the end. That's the big thing. And so as the true hero of this game, you actually get two different showdowns during your hero arc. So the first one is set against your selfish, unaware younger brother who storms your castle and is like, I'm going to be a better king. And you're like, hey, shut up. (laughs) Adults are talking and you don't know anything about anything. So no, you're not. And so that's how the first confrontation goes. Okay. And and so uh, what happens then is that you you uh, you know you address those immediate issues and, and explain to him how there's so much going on beyond what what he sees and now you are going to start making those hard choices because they ultimately will lead to that greater good in the end now the second showdown comes from when you the king the real hero of the story Kyle that I'm telling you get your showdown against the crawler which is the bad thing that you're making all these budget conscious decisions to address and hopefully you're doing this while your dingus younger sibling has decided to help in instead of just doing what they want to do. But who gotcha. knows? Who knows? Because they're selfish. Depending on how you play that first half of the game determines yeah. whether or not your your brother joins you. Okay. Well, and that okay. could be a thing, too. You decide, okay, is it worth my time to invest my resources to try and teach my younger brother to be better? Or do I just exile them and focus my, <laughs> my efforts on training the guard? Mm. You know? Like, that's a decision that you could end up making. Gotcha. And so... You, uh, you're going to show all of Albion that you are that rightful ruler because you are able to handle this onslaught with 
you know, this this amorphous bad thing that's showing up through appropriate but hard decisions, because for once there will be no easy outs in a fable game. And this is the one. There are no more just easy solutions based upon I grinded hard enough and now I win on every front. We get to keep the school and the children healthy. Sponsored by Peter Molyneux. <laughs> okay, let's just leave that on the cutting room floor. A, a fable game with level set expectations. That's yeah. the real hero. <laughs> Easy. Sold. There it is. That's the All game. Right. That's, that's the game. We get, uh, Finally a game that that has hard decisions and actually punishes you for them instead yeah. of just just hand waving them away. Finally, a game where you can manage your resources. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop that. No game lets you manage your resources the way you want it to. No game I've ever played. <laughs> Andrew, tell us about Porky and sure, I'd love to. And how Ness is his perfect evil foil. Yeah, so um, to know, understand Porky's kind of motivations, you have to know his relationship to Ness and then his relationship as a foil to Lucas. Because Porky never actually, you never actually meet as Lucas, as the protagonist of Mother 3, you never actually meet Porky until the very end. But, so for Earthbound, Porky serves as a direct, like an obvious foil to Ness um, in that, like, he comes, you know, he lives next door, uh, but you meet his mom and dad, and they're, they're very, they're in, very emotionally abusive. Um, originally, I think in the Japanese version, he, it said like the, he was like going to get his mother was said something like, I'm going to spank you a hundred times. And Nintendo of America had to remove that for child abuse reasons. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but it's like, it's yeah, it's 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 real. Dude, Earthbound is is hard. <laughs> like, Earthbound, yeah. like, it's very, very dark. But anyway, um, so as so Porky's Porky comes from an affluent family. Um, his dad works in Foresight, which is like the source of all the craziness, the Gygus craziness in, in Earthbound. Him being a foil is very, is very level, is very uh, surface level. But in Mother 3, it's a lot different. Um, his, it's more like his cynicism and his capitalist ideals uh, represent a foil to the gullible, happy-go-lucky residents of Tasmili. Um, so, and Porky is able to kickstart his... Okay, so Zach's dystopia is more <laughs> Ayn Rand. Mine is more Ray Bradbury Fahrenheit 451. Oh, okay. So we've got we've got a Bradbury dystopia and we've yeah. got a Randian dystopia. Yeah, uh, it's just West versus East. We've got a Western a Western <laughs> dystopia versus an East European dystopia. It's all the same. Um, so this this Ray Bradbury dystopia, uh, Porky actually delivers all the residents of Tasmili Village a happy box which is a monitor that displays a series of bright colors to let people briefly forget their troubles. What? Oh. Which is no subtle clue to he gives them a bunch of TVs. As, as we all look into our monitors while we record this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, just to keep in the theme of, of today's discussion, the back half of Earthbound Chronicles colon sweet and sour pork will... <laughs> Forgot about that uh, until just now. Yeah, you, you had me until you mentioned the name again. The, the uh -huh. titles it's, never it's get better. It's my move. <laughs> it's my move. Um, it's going to transition from that from that survival crafting mechanic to wait for it an RTS. All of the <laughs> all of the resources that you built and collected in the first half will be yours to command in the capitalist takeover of Tasmili Village. So how does this work, right? Uh, so much like a a a uh, futuristic sci-fi dystopia. You're going to build expensive trash and then launch a marketing propaganda campaign to convince residents <laughs> how desirable said trash is and why they need that trash right now. 
Uh, you open up a manufacturing plant where the residents can earn money to buy that desirable trash with currency that can only be accepted at the company's store, conveniently located next to or adjacent to the plant, and then give that option to pre-credit money from their paychecks to pay for more desirable trash in the future. This as is a terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I basically just voiced over in 1950s mining towns, but yes, that's essentially the idea. Ni- 1950s, 1870s, it's all... It's you all, work here long yeah. enough, we'll give you some script. Yep. And then you can use the script next door to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At the company store. Your script's not good anywhere else, though. <laughs> now, of course, you are going to have dissenters. Uh, so enter Lucas and his friends, who are actively resisting Tazmilly's expansion efforts using their own psi powers to break, or PSI, rather, to break others of your control and to build a resistance army of their own. So it's up to you, Porky, to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> to stop them from breaking down everything that you've built. Okay, so this is where we tie in the first half of the game. If you are cunning enough to trap a caribou, for example, and fill it, fit it with metal antlers, now you can build and <laughs> operate a cyborg caribou army. Uh, oh. This is where the sharks with fr- freaking lasers comes in. If you are able to successfully experiment with crossbreeding, you can now send out troops of kanga sharks and australophids. <laughs> As your enforcers, <laughs> all of which are very real enemies in Mother Three. I'm just, I'm literally just yeah. regurgitating mm-hmm. the porky, what the Porky Army does in Mother Mother Three. Sure. Gotcha. Uh, the game concludes with a final showdown against Lucas and his PSI-powered team against your greatest creations, uh, a la everyone else's argument today. <laughs> now, if you were, <laughs> if you were uh, exceptionally diligent and completed the secret side cre- side quest with Doctor Andonuk, fuck, I really. Really want that sentence. You, uh, if you, you completed, was that, wait, was that a doctor, Doctor and Donuts? Was I, that I heard Doctor and is nuts. <laughs> if you completed, let me just say that again. If you completed the secret side quest with Doctor and Donuts, which mm-hmm. is from Andes Mother nuts. Two Earthbound, that's Jeff's just, dad. Just dad. Yep. You'll be able to call in help from the Invincible Chimera, which you may remember as that giant magenta monster in New Pork City in Smash. Hey, I know that one. I get yeah, that yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's your, there's, your, there's your F6 alt uh, that clears mobs of enemies. <laughs> and just like in Mother 3, it all comes down to Porky versus Lucas, asking the question, what is progress, and how does it help and how does it versus hurting the community? Does it do more harm than it does good? Who's to say? And that's the question that Mother 3 never answers. And that's the question that Earthbound Chronicles Sweet and Sour Pork will also never answer. You like build up your argument. It sounds so good. And I'm like hooked. And then you drop the name again. And it just like it just like kicks the legs out from underneath me. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to like withhold my judgment because I don't know shit about Earthbound. So I'm assuming that most of the things you're telling me aren't your own brain. It's just game canon, and I can't yeah. short you for that. That was Mother Three. But then mm-hmm. you which, say, which I can't. I can't no, stress it up. Mother shut Three up! Is hold a on. Fantastic game. I'm not done because then <laughs> you say Earthbound Chronicles, <laughs> pork and beans, or sweet and sour pork, or whatever you said, and I know that came from your own brain, and I'm mad about that. Andrew really wants his argument to stand so high that it. It has to win in spite of the name he's given it, not because he's given it a good name. That's usually my MO, yes. <laughs> Man, we just all, it's just four resource management it's, games. It's RTS is all the way down, baby. <laughs> all right. Um, Zach, tell us about your, your hero and villain and how they, they foil each other. Please. 
I, I will set this up by saying that my 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 answer to the third part of this will actually be a different thing than everyone else is saying, but we're gonna have to work. Oh, to that's get what there. you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long it's a long road there. But so the 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 villain, the foil to Andrew Ryan, is not the player character in Bioshock. It is in fact Frank Fontaine, who you meet in the game as Atlas, mm. the lovable Irish guy who keeps asking you to, would you kindly Frank go do Fontaine. something? Fontaine. Oh, man. That awful accent. God, I, I, I dig that voice. I'm so into it. Uh, <laughs> but he is literally like the perfect foil to, to Ryan, whereas Ryan sees, you know, unchecked capitalism as, as a way to build his utopia. Frank Fontaine says, okay, well, if there's no power, like balance and checks in place. I'm just going to abuse this, abuse other people, and make myself a bunch of money and power, and I'm going to be great. And at a certain point after you start making your utopia, Frank Fontaine will show up in Rapture. And whether announced or unannounced, he will slowly start accruing forces and things will start going wrong in your in your town, in your utopia. Mm. Uh, whether it be, you know, uh, plasmids get introduced, so you have people hooked on on this uh, you know, genetic morphing drug. Oh, okay. Okay. You have you have people I mean, he literally forms a uh, like underground smuggling ring to like get stuff from out of the city that uh, should not be coming into the city, uh, accruing tons of money, accruing power to actually challenge Ryan himself. So eventually, after a certain point, you might see buildings pop up that you didn't build, but that are actively working against your goal of a utopia. And you might you might you know suddenly notice, oh shit, some of my resources are going down. How is that? Oh, Frank Fontaine just conducted a raid and just stole oh. a bunch of my stuff. <laughs> Or like, oh shit! There's there's a, a a breakout of a bunch of crazy splicers. Oh shit! Frank Fontaine, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's a real it's a real Mario Kart bump ru uh, rubber banding move. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and and left unchecked, he's gonna start a civil war with you. However, if you do make attempts to capture Frank Fontaine, to imprison Frank Fontaine, or stop him. In the game's canon, he actually puts him in a in a small bathosphere and like sends him two thousand feet below Rapture. Somehow, Frank <laughs> Fontaine gets out, and then he's about to get captured again. And somehow, Frank Fontaine fakes his own death. So even if you think you've killed your enemy, he's he still, still out comes there. back. Exactly, just, just keeps coming back. It's a real James Bond villain situation yeah. where it's like, I've set this laser to kill you. Now I will leave. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just watching you die, rather than ensure the job is finished, I will assume it gets done. Going to do something else. You here and now, but instead, let me have this pendulum swing for the next thirteen minutes. Yeah, the fallacy of a villain. You yeah. you might get a a you know momentary victory where it's like, okay, cool. I've got another set of months in game to start rebuilding or, or regain control, build back my utopia. But then, boom, Frank Fontaine's at it again. <laughs> that old Frank Fontaine. So I, I, I really like that. It's like your, your villain just kind of counter resource manages against you. And, exactly. And does exactly. it better. And so it's not, it's not just like, oh, you know, the, the powers that be or, oh, there's an invading army. It's this person is playing in the same map that you are in, in the same city. But they also have their own resources, and they're trying to overthrow you. And different rules, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's very cool. I like that that twist a lot. I don't appreciate Zach hand waving away <laughs> the large unknown beast that is coming to yeah. destroy Albion as somehow less bad than, than Frank Fontaine, yeah. who keeps releasing the cows who, out of the pasture. Yeah, who seems to be like a god. Is that is that all? <laughs> 
is that all canon? Is that all lore, Zach? Uh, yes. In, in, in Bioshock like One, uh, he he at one point is captured and is sent like literally in an inescapable <laughs> prison and somehow That's escapes. Ridiculous. Sure. And then secondly, he fakes his death and then comes back yeah. as Atlas, as which Atlas. is when you meet him in the game. Yeah. That's pretty rad, actually. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> All right, great. Um, so question three, victory. It is the end of the game. Uh, you've won. The hero has been vanquished, and the villain can carry out their world-changing plans unhindered. So, um, describe to us what that victory cutscene looks like. Um, what your fully like one hundred percent complete, fully realized. Um, vision of your character looks like and most importantly set up the sequel for us you know play out your victory scene and then show us that little post log that's going to lead into uh, the sequel and what new challenges your resource management game is going to have to tackle in in the sequel uh, matt sure so there are two ending cutscenes, and it depends whether or not link makes it to the final battle so if Link makes it to the final battle, there's a final battle, and then the cutscene begins. If Link doesn't make it to the final battle, one of your guardians will carry in the unconscious body of the hero Link and <laughs> drop him at the feet of the weird dark spider monster that you are as Calamity Ganon in Breath of the Wild. So whether you defeat him in the final battle or you get him beforehand and the guardians bring you his body... Again, like the weird dark spider monster you are, you consume Hero Link. You eat Link. I need to make it clear that you eat <laughs> Link uh. as the weird dark spider monster that you are. When you eat Link, obviously, uh, Princess Zelda has been containing the power of Calamity Ganon for the past hundred years, only with the hope that the hero of Hyrule would return and defeat Calamity Ganon so that she could be given back her human form when princess zelda sees calamity ganon or feels calamity ganon consume hero link she just ceases to exist just poof, done no more zelda <laughs> how long does that cutscene play because i want like five minutes of just bones gnashing yeah it's like the <laughs> it's like the, the intro yeah. of resident evil 3 like it's almost <laughs> a movie <laughs> and it's 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 graphic and, and violent and all, excuse me, all of those things. Matt jumped the game's rating up to M just for the cutscene. The, the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah the rest like of the PG. game could have been E, but but that cutscene, he couldn't he couldn't let any of the gore go. So yeah, it's an you're M-rated right. game. You're super right. So once you have consumed the hero Link and the spirit of Princess Zelda is dispersing from the universe... One of the last shots that we see is the new Calamity Ganon after consuming the hero of Hyrule with the power of the Triforce, taking Link's human form and warping into Ganondorf and the actual man Ganondorf. And as we see that panning shot of Ganondorf holding up the Master Sword and doing the evil Ganondorf laugh in the middle of uh, Hyrule Castle, it pans around, and we see a very familiar-looking void crack in the wall. And we know that the sequel takes us to only one place, 
Ganon, in his calamity form, has taken over Hyrule, but he needs to control everything. And now he's turning his attention to Low Rule. And in this new <laughs> flipped over version of Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, Calamity Ganondorf is going through the void to conquer Low Rule in a new top down Switch game a la Link's Awakening. Man, I, I, real talk, I forgot that they called it Low Rule. What a. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that was real. I thought that was a bad joke you were making, and then I like realized yeah. in the middle of that it was real. Yeah, it's real. That game is amazing, this, this, though. This coming from the company that named the sequel to the Wii, the Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you said there's a like a void crack in the wall, I really thought you were saying he was going to travel the planes with the happy mask salesman. <laughs> I, I thought that's right. what happy mask salesman. <laughs> no, no, I was going, I, I haven't watched a Majora's Mask playthrough in a while, but I am watching A Link Between Worlds playthrough, so I had to pull from what I know. I love A Link Between Worlds. Link Between I think Worlds it's like, is so It's one good. of my favorite Zeldas. It's very silly that they named it low rule but it is an excellent game um the only problem i have with your argument matt is we established at the in the opening of the show the void's full can't go through the void <laughs> there's a sign full right out there no vacancy um that's that's great matt i love the the sequel we we're going and conquering the dark twisted low rule now um todd what do you got for us in fable set up fable four for us yeah oh absolutely here it's coming <laughs> i'm gonna give you a, a hot dose of fable four real soon so we have a victorious king logan looking over what is a thankful albion that has faced minimal to no casualties due to his excellent ability to decide how to spend the kingdom's money you know there might yeah. be there might be children that are working weird hours in the factory <laughs> <laughs> but they're alive and they're fed and things are good. And so he has ended up uh, victorious over the crawler. So his younger sibling, who once led that uprising against him, has realized uh, the error in their ways. And in turn, King Logan has exiled them from Albion for their terrible, selfish, self-centered leadership. From all this, Albion proceeds forward, becomes an even stronger city. It's great. It's, it's, it's delightful in Albion. So the final cutscene ends with Logan's jealous younger sibling vowing to take back what they believe is theirs. And so this will set up for Fable 4, which the game that ultimately follows after this one is that a descendant of you, Logan, the great savior of Albion, is going to have to go <laughs> oh, go to war. Yeah, that's that's how the book gets written. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you're going to have to go to war against this new uprising. And to do this, you're going to have to build allegiances across the country. And manage right? your resources. Well, <laughs> to build allegiances across the, count the countryside, which is helping neighboring communities. Um, however, the big reveal in Fable 4 will be this new uprising is being fueled by your younger siblings, descendants, decades later as well. And so that's what we're going to get in Fable 4. And it's, it's going to be a big game engine change. And again, I cannot drive this home enough. Your decisions actually matter now. And that uh, <laughs> there will be legitimate, real consequences in the game, and you'll have to make tough decisions that matter. And it'll probably be called something really um, like heavy and, and dark, like uh, Fable Sins of the Last Kingdom 
or something that, that's that's edgy and doesn't talk about sweet and sour pork. You can see I, Andrew working on a title. <laughs> no, I, well, right no, what I was going to say is I feel like you just invented Fire Emblem. like that. It, it's going to feel <laughs> Fire emblem I don't think you meant to, but you you made yeah. Fire Emblem. Fire I'll emblem make it game. clear. I've... I've never played a single Fire Emblem game, and it's I know this is Fire Emblem. No, I mean that's that's basically Fire Emblem genealogy of the Holy War. Done, perfect. That's what it in that is that, that game a real well. game? What a yeah, terrible yeah. title for a very real <laughs> game that is. That was one of the games that was on, uh, I think, Super Famicom before yeah. Fire Emblem came over <laughs> it's to fine. America. We're, it's go, it's going to be a next gen launch. It's going to be great, and people are going to play the shit out of it because it's going to be a because new studio. they did already when it was called Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, and it'll be a new <laughs> studio backing Fable, and people trust that IP, just not the names that were behind it. <laughs> All right, that's okay. it. That's the game. That's that's, that's the game. <laughs> you, that's the Todd tree. Todd made Fire Emblem. Good, Damn good job, Todd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andrew, tell us about uh, H- Homeland this, Four. This next one, Pork, Porky and Beans. <laughs> pork and Beans. Homeland uh, Four. All right, so I'll just I'm gonna go through quickly back to Mother Three uh, briefly. So the last chapter of Mother Three uh, takes place in New Pork City, which again is that's your uh, that's the map from Smash Brothers for those of you that haven't played Mother Three. Um, it's this utopia that Porky has created in his own image. Um, but as you go through it, it's it's kind of like if New York City was only Times Square, but also a <laughs> shitty version of Disneyland. And it, and it's funny because the game is very self-aware and it, you can see like all these big stand-ups that are built, but all of the stand-ups are facing the road and they're all just like cardboard cutouts. <laughs> so like it's just, it is it is an entire city built like stood up by like a one wagon wheel. It's like an it's entire just, city, but it's a, the whole city is a facade. Yep. The whole yep, thing is fake. It's a facade. Gotcha. Um, it's, I mean, it's exactly what a dumpy 10-year-old would think is paradise. Uh, <laughs> fast food and theme park rides are everywhere. Um, everybody is working, but like a child doesn't understand what a career is, so they just like walk around in suits all day <laughs> talking about how awesome the town is. How they did a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Business. Very good business to you, you know. <laughs> And in the center of the town is this massive 100-story tower that is eerily similar to Biff's Casino from Back to the Future 2. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, your, that's like your final dungeon. So as you, um, as you progress through the town, you'll, you'll come across like a movie theater that plays scenes from Earthbound. Um, you find a museum of all these artifacts from Earthbound and, and Mother One, uh, including a yo-yo named Friends Yo-Yo. Uh, and then you you get to, you find like an army of robots all looking like Por- Porky's mom that are catering to your every whim, and you kind of realize like the game is just telling you that Porky was just this sad kid who nobody cared about who just wanted a friend, and he's got this like weird unhealthy obsession with Ness because Ness was like the closest thing that he ever had to an actual friend, even though Ness like barely even you know like you can tell like Ness like barely even considers him, and uh, at the very end of Mother Three. Porky doesn't die because Porky's again in Porky's in this like container. So that that's the the boss battle from Smash. Oh yeah, uh, Brawl. Yeah, that's what you fight Porky in as an old man because he's like traveled through time and he's just like in this containment unit that's like that's like pressure like protecting his life energy, but but he's still aging. So he's like an he's like an old child. <laughs> like he is <laughs> he is a ten year old. He's Aren't Benjamin Button. He's a <laughs> he's a yeah. Benjamin Button. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a Benjamin Button. He's a, he's a he's a ten year old with gray hair. Where was I? And uh, so he flees the fight uh, before dying. But he doesn't. This time he doesn't travel through time. Instead, he escapes to his absolutely safe capsule, 
which is an indestructible pod. That is the canon name for it. Yep. Oh, yep. good. Thank you. Yes, it absolutely is. It's another Andonuts creation. Um, and it's an indestructible pod where he can't be hurt by anything. The irony being, he can never leave and is trapped inside that pod for all eternity and will witness the end of the universe still oh. inside this pod. Jesus. What? <laughs> See the no. actual heat death of the universe. <laughs> Hold yes. the fucking phone. Yeah. Dude, really? the Mother series is fucked. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I believe Mother that. 3 is amazing. Like it's it's such a good game. I god damn it. I it's amazing. If you if you have the option er, opportunity to play the trans the translation, please. Mother do. 3 was the one that like was never localized, right? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. 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 Gotcha. That to this day, even though he no longer works for Nintendo, people call Reggie fils and say, give us Mother yes, 3. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weirdly become like a meta connected to Reggie fils I, mm. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. anyway. So I think there's actually a potential. Like this, this got very dark. But I think there's actually a potential for a wholesome ending here where oh. both sides of the progress <laughs> debate can come together. So I, I would like to pitch that maybe they realize that neither side is exactly wrong and conclude that progress is ultimately a good thing, but it must be done so in a responsible fashion uh, that, you know, bring, holds up the economy and says, instead of stifling it. If you don't displace your own citizens, there is no reason to build an army of chimeric enforcers. Oh. You know, there's nothing wrong with industrialization and, and inf- embracing technology, but you can do so by enacting an economy where people can pay each other for goods and services, and it doesn't all have to be in service to one massive conglomerate. Just a thought. <laughs> he and he so, says, "Thank you for coming to my TED talk." He says, "He says in early June of 2020, <laughs> uh, unrelated to anything that's unrelated going on. to anything." Uh, so Lucas and Porky come to an agreement and decide to use both of their respective talents and resources to shape Nowhere Islands together for the betterment of their people. In the sequel, I would like to call Mother Four maintaining a healthy pork life balance. <laughs> God damn it. So you had the name and then you worked backwards. Is what I, mean. <laughs> I love naming things now. Um, I'm I'm so glad what you could indulge your new favorite thing to do, and that's it. Just I'm glad you could <laughs> indulge your more. new favorite Don't thing. I'm glad you else. have something. <laughs> I have I have Punipedia just bookmarked on my Google Chrome oh. now. Zach, save us, save us from Andrew and his unending puns. Um, and anyone who knows, Zach you could say they're. I was like, I was like, wait, wait, wait. He's not, <laughs> somebody asking. He's not going to be our savior there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Zach, just just take us home. What's your sequel? <laughs> My thing is, I I don't think Andrew Ryan can realistically win. Not just because, uh, like I said, I don't think unchecked capitalism would work for him. Also, Frank Fontaine is a slippery son of a bitch, and you can't get him. Okay, but on top of that, uh, at some point in the game, you're gonna have. An illegitimate child, because that's what <laughs> Andrew oh, Ryan does. Of things. Yeah. Uh, Frank Fontaine is somehow going to get the uh, embryo of this child and raise it and hypnotize it to later kill you. So at some point in the game, <laughs> isn't that how Atlas Shrugged ends? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's a very Anne Randian uh, dystopia here. But uh, at some point, your illegitimate son will come back to rapture in the middle of this great civil war uh and you can try and hold him off as long as you can but guess what because unchecked capitalism exists and you have so many great uh 
inventions, you also have the Vita Chambers or Vita Chambers, uh, which will infinitely bring him back to life. So no matter how many times you kill him, he will canonically come back to life and eventually get to you, at which point he will not actually kill you because he knows that or because you know the uh, would you kindly trigger. Uh, yes. But instead, you, but instead you actually command him to kill you yourself with a golf club. So there you go. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Essentially, this game becomes a roguelike in which you try to simply survive as long as possible. <laughs> okay. Before you okay. are killed by your own son. <laughs> so we actually we actually got somewhere that's not a resource management game. Yeah, it's it's actually yeah. if you guys remember that really old PC game, uh was it Ski Free? Yeah, yes. the Yeti thing. Yes. yes. He's the Yeti. <laughs> you're, you're just going along the hill as you know, having a great time until a few minutes in the game, the Yeti just shows up and there's no way. People have told me they've avoided the Yeti. I, they're they're liars. liars. People are they're lying. Liars. To you. Yeah. Uh, you will be killed by your son with a golf club. <laughs> That is fantastic, mostly because you did break the cycle of villain games that are just resource management, real-time I strategies. I mean, did I? You you did. You turned it into ski-free. It's not even a third-act turn. It's, it's a last-minute turn. And that's what we're sticking with, and that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're selling here today. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So, gentlemen, the good news is Marvis and Marvis Media International really likes all these pitches. Really? Why? <laughs> Are they just being nice to three of us and like no, they really only like one of them? Their their <laughs> research shows that the future of console gaming is is heavy resource management. <laughs> oh, um, don't ask them where they got it from. They won't. T it's a trade secret. But they are convinced that this is the future of console gaming. That said, they know the real money is in mobile gaming. So, um, in order for Marvis and Marvis to pick up your franchise, they are going to require a mobile game spinoff of your title. Tell us what it is, how it's going to make Marvis and Marvis a lot of unearned money, and tell us how the third, the, the cheaply run third-party company that makes it is going to ruin it for us. We will answer that question when we come back from the break. Do you like video games? Do you like video essays about video games? Well, come on down to Around the Monitor. We've got video essays on topics ranging from What's it like to buy video games in China? How did Nintendo market the Game Boy in America? And why thousands of Venezuelans are using RuneScape to survive? Doesn't sound believable? Well, check it out and see for yourself. Just type youtube.com slash C slash Around the Monitor. That's youtube.com slash C slash Around the Monitor. Today. 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 All right, we're back. Once again, Marvis and Marvis Media International really liked your, your four games today, guys. Uh, they are hinging their decision on which game to pick up based on how well they think your mobile, your third-party mobile spinoff will make the money. So, we're going to start with Matt. Tell us about your third-party mobile game spinoff. Right, Kyle. So, we are going to call our friends over at Niantic. Now, I think most people <laughs> probably know Niantic from Pokemon Go, but I want to go before Pokemon Go, and we're going to talk about Ingress. Ingress was Niantic's game that was just Pokemon Go before they put a Pokemon skin on it. It's... <laughs> basically the same thing except instead of capturing pokemon gyms oh yeah yeah you're like <laughs> shutting off portals to another world yeah. right 
So it, it's what the it's what the weird loner kids did when they walked around town with their phones out before Pokemon Go. Yep. I never played yeah. it. I just know it existed. So yeah. Ingress was a game again that existed. We are gonna do a very similar game with our Legend of the Dwarf spin-off, mobile spin-off. I'm not as as on it on the titles today. Let's leave renaming games to Andrew, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I can't I can't best Earthbound Chronicles, Pork Chops, and Applesauce. So, (laughs) in this mobile spinoff game, you are going to play as Calamity Ganon, and you are going to physically, IRL, in the real world, travel to these locations, which have guardians, and you are going to activate those guardians. And every day... In some undescribed secret geographic location that we have split the world up into that we're not going to tell anybody about, but it's probably going to be like by state or by county, a select few people will wake up with a notification on their game that they are Link for the day. And they have to travel (laughs) around the real world and not get too close to any of these points. Because if you are Link for the day and you get too close to one of these guardians, we delete your account. You lose. You die. You just, you're just done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm supposed to argue against this, but that's actually really fucking cool. It's very right? good. I really like it, except that encourages the link just to stay home and not. Well, so well, here, here's the thing. Okay. Well, Kyle, okay. here's this, the thing. This well, argument actually, was fully fleshed out. No, because we need a money making aspect, right? Because Pokemon Go doesn't have a great like in game system. When you are Link for the day. You can travel around to uncaptured access points and mine rupees from those uncaptured access points. Then, when you are not Link for the day, and you are back to playing as Calamity Ganon, when you unlock a new guardian, you can use your rupees to upgrade that guardian. Maybe it extends the range of the guardian, maybe it hides the Guardian from Link so that any players as Link don't get to see that that Guardian has already been activated. There will be all sorts of updates, and that will be what encourages the Link players to leave their location and mine for rupees. However, the money-making aspect comes from the in-game purchases, where if you're not playing as Link, you can just drop some real-ass cash (laughs) and buy yourself some rupees. Gotcha. So you don't need to wait for the RNG to name you Link for the day to make money. Mm-hmm. You can just mm-hmm. you can just turn turn your real world dollars into calamity dollars and and pay to win that way. Hell yeah, dollars. you can. And we're gonna call them calamity oh dollars because that fucking rules, doesn't it? Isn't yeah. that a good? Isn't that a good fake currency? What is the exchange rate of calamity dollars to Stanley Nichols? <laughs> about the same. <laughs> about the same as uh, po- as unicorns to to leprechauns, Todd. <laughs> That's my game. We're calling it Niantic. We're making a cool game. It's going to be like Ingress, but better. Man, Ingress, Ingress was the best. I miss that game. And and Matt, I, I am going to put you on the spot. What's the name of the of the mobile game? The the name of the mobile game is yes, going to be um, Legend of Ganon: World of Calamity. Love it. Excellent. That kind of stuck right. the landing. I'm not. Yeah, it cool. sure yeah. did. I mean, it didn't have pork in the title. just wait todd tell us about your your mobile game that's gonna make us all the money yeah so we're working with supercell hey kyle have you played clash of clans before (laughs) i 
I sure hey, have. Show of, show of hands on this podcast. Who has played Clash of Clans before? Hell yeah, I love me some Clash of Clans. Yeah, all right, Andrew, you didn't. I've never played it. I'm a purist. All right, sure. So that's that's eighty percent of the people here. Um, it's Fable Clash of Kingdoms, Kyle. That's what we're doing. And since eighty percent of the people played it here, eighty percent of the world's gonna play it. It made like three billion dollars in three years. So yeah. let's take yeah. an abandoned IP and just ram jam it into there, and people are gonna play Clash of Clans with fable characters and that's going to be the end of it the level of effort that you just gave to pitch that was <laughs> i imagine the same level of effort that final <laughs> fantasy 15 colon a brand new empire had yeah when it when it was basically like it's fucking clash of clans with final fantasy shut up and play yeah. it yeah give us your money nerds you know you want yeah. to do you think hyrule yeah. warriors was special <laughs> it wasn't special what they did and people still bought it yeah. So, yeah, it was just uh, it was just was that what's that original Dynasty Warriors? Dynasty Warriors, yeah, Dynasty Warriors, yeah. Yep. So, uh, Fable Clash of Kingdoms, it's Clash of Clans with a Fable IP because no one's using it anymore, and why not? All right, microtransactions to buy more troops and faster raid times at billion dollars. <laughs> Boom, quick, easy, and yeah, and gets the job done. done. Makes us all the money. That's what we like, Todd. That's why you're on the board. I put my feet up on the table when I was done talking. <laughs> Andrew. So I don't know if you guys, there's this game that you may or may not have heard of. It's you collect all these really cute characters and there's all these really interesting levels that are constantly being updated each and every day. Uh, it's called Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. I hate that you're bringing Best Fiends into this <laughs> and I hate even more how aware of Best Fiends I am. <laughs> I am I am the purest now. <laughs> Matt, very quickly, before we, we let Andrew continue, how many hours have you sunk into Best Fiends? So I have sunk none into Best Fiends, but the climbing gym that I work at, a uh, weird <laughs> contingency of the employees got really into Best Fiends, and we had to make a company decision that we couldn't play Best Fiends at work anymore because it got a Jesus. little out of hand. Be Best Fiends is also really notorious because they uh, they have the world's biggest ad budget. I think of any any singular IP ever like they specifically have bought out I think more than half of the big national podcasting networks is it more than the the whatever the is it raid shadow Legends? yeah it's more is than it raid more shadow than Legends. it's it's <laughs> the right. raid shadow legends of podcasting gotcha <laughs> so if you you hear and and everybody that does it they only have one ad read like they've had the same ad copy for for years and it's that's best fiends or best friends without the R. Yep, that's, that's terrible. Like, that's their tagline. Anyway, um, we're going to do a game. So uh, the majority of Porky's takeover of Tazmili and Mother 3 is him kind of either building like cyborg versions, or, like basically robotniking the, the local animal population or making um, chimeras of different animals. And those are the monsters that you fight, if I didn't make that clear earlier. So I think we can kind of um, double down on that idea and do like a, like a monster simulator where you can just craft your own cyborg monster or whatever the fuck. Okay. Um, and then you can have them go fight like kind of like a Pokemon, like virtual pet simulator who cares like you're gonna buy it so it's part part pokemon battler part play with the sliders and make your custom animal yeah monstrosity yeah exactly and the title is earthbound war pigs <laughs>
That's the best title you've had today. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> really that's good. That's a reasonable Earthbound sequel. Like, Thank you. I would play that game. That was a good you one. already are, Matt. You've already spent $20 on <laughs> that's, it. That's friends without the R. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, and z- bring us home, Zach. What is your your straight-to-mobile sequel third-party anthology entry to your game sticking in the uh bioshock universe which is vast uh we're jumping to columbia the the flying city that takes a that that is the the main source of action in bioshock infinite and this is father zachary hale comstock's columbia simulator that's a mouthful (laughs) but that's the full name of the villain in that game Yikes. Could you say it one more time for me, please? Father Zachary Hale Comstock's Columbia Simulator. <laughs> Wonderful. My, my favorite my favorite utopian society slash death cult. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you get to build your own uh, extremely religious, also extremely racist capitalist city simulator. Uh, however, in order to, to dig into the uh, mobile game market, you know, to, to get, get those microtransactions in this game to make it profitable... We're going to introduce a gotcha system. So, you know, you're playing the game. You've got energy meters that go down over time. You know, you you build another building. Oh, shoot. You got to wait till tomorrow if you want to uh, build another build, build another sure. settlement. Sure. Uh, but uh, you also get currency in the game that lets you, you use the weird rift powers that, uh, man, Elizabeth, that's her name, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To to summon characters into the game, such as the Lutes twins, such as Jeremiah Fink. You could literally pull any character from the Fire or the Fire Emblem. The, uh, we, we've now we've now officially hit the four horsemen of the mobile gaming apocalypse. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and depending on how many stars each of these characters have, they can make your town build faster or slower. Uh, of course, the Lutes twins. They're not just one character. You have to get each of them separately through the Gachapon system. (laughs) Uh, And that's where we get them. It's like Park Place and Boardwalk and Monopoly. Yeah. 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 um, And and Zach, since I've made everyone else do it, do you have a title for your mobile game? Let me say it one more time because it's a mouthful. Oh, you did. Father Zachary Hale, Homestock's Columbia Simulator. I love it. It doesn't even fit on the mobile screen. No, no. it would, it would just be F Z H C C S. That title alone makes me want to drink the Even Kool-Aid. the acronym's too long to be the, the app name. Um it's excellent. Gentlemen, this is all excellent. Um the the Marvis and Marvis execs who are here hearing these pitches, they're gonna go talk behind closed doors and figure out which game they're gonna fund after they hear your your final statement why they should make your game today uh matt you should make my game today because zach and andrew's games are the same and <laughs> they're titled different <laughs> <laughs> and the people have asked for fable 4 for 10 years and never gotten it and fable 3 wasn't great and fable 4 11 years later probably isn't going to be good either but breath of the wild was a good game so if we make a spin-off, people gonna buy it. All right. <laughs> people gonna buy it. Um <laughs> Todd. Kyle, you wanna make my game because I'm gonna actually give you a game where you're gonna have to choose between reinstating child labor and opening in a school, and it's gonna be a tough choice. And isn't that what the gamers want? <laughs> tough choices that <laughs> tough choices that make them feel bad. That's what we're <laughs> that's that's your why we should make your game. It's full of touch tough choices that make us feel bad. 
Yeah. Um, my right. game will make you feel human and feel the weight <laughs> of the world upon your shoulders. You know, what people come to video games to do during these days. Yeah, the escapism that is video games. Um, okay. Andrew? Despite Matt's argument, I would like to conclude that my story is a unique one. Uh, my story is the, is the tale of a dumpy, overprivileged loser who used his wealth to build and sell glitzy, vapid trash to the population and then enacted a series of monuments lifting up his own name as an embodiment of empty wealth and power, eventually evolving his brain into a narcissistic empire solely intended to serve his own insatiable need to be loved. I've heard this one before, I think. It's unique. It's never been told it's, before. It's an original it's the, story. It's, it's the best yeah. story. It's, it's, it's only the best. It's the American dream. It's, it is the American dream. There's an art to your deal, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't sully this, Todd. <laughs> um, Zach, why should we make your game? Going off of uh, Matt's Matt's uh, example of, of instead of talking about his game, dunking on everyone else's game. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty legitimate method. It's, here. A, it's <laughs> a very valid to, strategy. Try, you got to trip people at the finish line, is what this. <laughs> Listen. All I'm trying to say is, do you want to play Breath of the Wild or do you want to play his game, which kind of sounds like Breath of the Mild? Do you want to play... (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to play Todd's game, which is just another shill from Peter Molyneux? Okay, well, leave his name out of this. (laughs) (laughs) He got you on that one. Do you want to play Andrew's game, which is a game literally called Earthbound Chronicles Pork and Beans featuring Weezer? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would have been way better. Or do you want to play another game that's set in Rapture, the world that everybody fell in love with back in 2007? Simpler times. So they made a second game that nobody really remembered, but then in Bioshock Infinite, they made a DLC that were like, hey, this place isn't as cool. Let's go back to Rapture because that's what people (laughs) want. All right. It's not quite a resource manager, but you can't win. (laughs) What about Rapture, Kyle? What about Rapture? What about it? All right. So now... The execs are actually going to leave and make their decision. (laughs) Um, But while they do that, why don't you guys go around the horn and say some good things about each other? Take us away, Matt. Yeah, sure. Andrew, earthbound mother colon pork fried rice was good. Uh, (laughs) It was a really interesting retelling of Lord of the Flies that you did. I appreciated that. Thank you. I love your I love your backhanded compliments, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I know because I am a Nintendo fan that "Give Us Mother Three is the rallying cry of nerds across America, and I've never known jack shit about Mother Three other than that it is the sequel to Earthbound, and all of the lore that you gave me about Mother Three and Earthbound, albeit interesting has made me now not want Mother 3. I don't need that anymore. So <laughs> You are not even close to be the intended audience of Mother 3. No, yeah, not, not Zach, even close. To catch you up, Zach, Matt is our anti-RPG player uh, here at yeah. Debate This. So, But uh, thank you for freeing me of the weight on my shoulders of <laughs> asking Nintendo of America to give us Mother 3. I needed that. You're welcome. Todd, I know that Fable is a game series that exists. Uh-huh. <laughs> and today you talked about it, and I kind of listened. So I think what I got from your argument was that we're killing kids in the name of capitalism, and that feels... <laughs> they're, they're working. That feels oddly topical, early june of 2020 so thanks for bringing the real world events to this 
debate. Like I said, my game is meant to make you sad. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Uh, but I did. I, I really enjoyed the idea of, hey, Fable 3 was a game that your choices were supposed to matter and they didn't. And so we are going to take your choices and we're really going to make them matter. Uh, because I do have a, a love in my heart for choose-your-own-adventure type games or consequential games, and I always think that they are very interesting. And, uh, Zach, man, somebody needed to play the game today. I'm really glad you showed up to play the game. <laughs> That's really cool. We needed one of those. I played through all of the Bioshock games with my freshman year roommate, and I have fond memories of Bioshock Infinite and the sort of lackluster ending to the Bioshock series that it was albeit a very pretty one. So um, th thanks for the nostalgia. <laughs> You're not wrong on that one. That is a nod from Zach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I needed that friendly reminder of happier times. And I appreciate what you did today. Andrew. <laughs> yes, Todd. Is the pun pork chop anything? <laughs> All right. And if you want it to be. Yeah, I... Anyway, I'm glad you talked about Earthbound. That made me feel good. Your puns didn't. And so in the end, I guess it's a net, a net win. Um, I, cool. I would absolutely play a game from the perspective of Porky, especially because like he kind of has a shitty start in Earthbound 2. Like, it's not really... I don't blame him for Breaking Bad. So um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. Well, he enslaves like an entire town. Well, like at first, it's, it's harmless. Under a like, cult leader. Well, like later, yeah, it's like Butterfly Flaps Its Wings shit. Like, <laughs> he has <laughs> shitty parents, and we could have stopped okay. it from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it is a systemic problem, but <laughs> he he also needs to be held accountable to some okay, of his Okay, well, actions. I jumped to yours. He, he did was, unleash an alien overlord I, on the I was world, most excited to fine. compliment yours, Andrew, so I jumped to yours, and now I feel bad. So forget what I said that's nice Thank about yours. Thank you for the yours. nice compliment. No, you know what? Matt, I'm glad that you gave a better game than Andrew. Hey, that's what I'm thanks. glad for. <laughs> because I got really excited to compliment Andrew, so I skipped you because I wanted to get his out of there. I would play a game from the perspective of Ganondorf. Um, I did not play Breath of the Wild, but I heard it's very good. So uh, this makes me excited to maybe play a game that is somewhat like Breath of the Wild. But it's Ganondorf killing Link. So over you know. and over and over. Again. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I liked what you did. Andrew, your idea is bad. Zach, I am glad you were here today uh, <laughs> to talk to us about about Rapture because I really liked Bioshock and your game um, makes you feel as though you have control and then you don't have control <laughs> and then your son kills you with a golf club. <laughs> and so it really just it really just has a lot going for it um, that that I think I would be willing to play and I'm interested to play and Andrew's idea is bad. Damn. <laughs> is it my turn? It's your turn. No. It's your turn. Uh, Todd, I really liked your argument. <laughs> I'm waiting for the trap. Uh, Matt, what I was hoping for was I was still, I'm still really hoping for Calamity Gannon bought the New York Jets and now is managing a football team. <laughs> but if I can't have that, then I will I will take your version as a close second, um, specifically because I really like the image of just playing and just like the end title being just you watch Calamity Ganon slowly devour Link for like five <laughs> minutes and there's no music. It's just <laughs> just, just, just great fully work and yeah. silence. Yeah. yeah, it's just and it's just the camera is just slowly spinning. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Um, I think that would be that would be really fun. Uh, Zach, thanks for coming today. Thanks for joining <laughs> us in uh, in this craziness. Um, I think of all of the RTSs that were that were that were proposed, <laughs> all today, four of them, <laughs> um, of all the real time strategy and resource management games that were proposed today, I think a civilization type where you are playing a tr- like a, a hyper capitalist empire is is by definition super cool, but then with the rapture flavor on top of it is is really really interesting. I do the idea of you play until your son beats you in the <laughs> golf club. Is, the is inevitable end is always your son, and it's beats not an if; it's, it's a when. It's getting yeah. closer yeah. and closer, and you just have to watch. Yeah, no, and and Todd, um, all jokes aside, that is the way that Fable Three should have been played, and I still want to have loved that game, but they copped out by giving you a a perfect game ending, and I think. That is the correct retelling of that game. So well done. I'm sorry also, that I made you. fun of your. Yo, well, also, never mind. No, nope. nope. eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, give us some good vibes. <clears throat> uh, Matt, thank you once again for for bringing the thing that uh, Breath of the Wild was sadly missing, and that is bringing back the dwarf. We always need more <laughs> dwarf in our lives. We need them. Some say some say we need them now more than ever in these dark times. <laughs> uh, the dwarf will always be in our hearts. Uh, Andrew, thank you for the, the good message. At the end of, of, of your, your game, where you're saying, hey, maybe, maybe Ness and Porky can have a conversation and, and say, hey, <laughs> yeah. progress Cards is good. Table. Just maybe put it in check a little bit. Uh, that's also a conversation that we very much probably should have, and it would be pretty ballsy for a game to actually talk about that. Uh, I don't believe in hell that a game will ever talk about that, nor maybe anybody, but... Yeah. To Mother Three's credit, it actually like it's funny because it it really does like those are I'm not just that wasn't just like a bit based on the time. It really does take a lot of a heavy turn into the idea of progress Mm. and industrialization. And it and it it paints it as bad on the surface. But when you talk to the people like nobody's upset, like everyone's happy, you know, they they want to work. They want to contribute. So it is an interesting and it and it does this thing where like it definitely ends like Soprano style where it just like fades to black and it doesn't, there's doesn't all the questions the question. are left unanswered mm-hmm. because there really is no answer to it, you know? Absolutely. Anyway. And uh, Todd, thank you for presenting a game that actually promises to have real effects and consequences uh, to your actions. <laughs> uh, even, even many telltale games, which that's kind of the whole point of them cannot actually do that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> also any, any fable game that is produced without Peter Molyneux being involved is a good thing in my mind. That was bullet point one on the uh, pitch was actually like, he gone, he's out. It's out of here. All right. Um, so the, the execs have come back in. They've made their decision. So first on the chopping block, um, Todd, they really liked the idea of a game that um, held your feet to the fire when you made a decision. So much um, so that they're not making the other three games? Un- unfortunately. <laughs> oh, wait. Unfortunately, they don't think gamers can handle having actual consequences to their <laughs> decisions. So, um, they, while well, they really like your idea, they don't think it's going to do that well because, because of the audience we're trying to sell it to. So, unfortunately, we're not making Fable 4 this time around. I should have known better than when I yelled, we won't coddle gamers any longer. <laughs> they, they're really, they really think gamers need, need that coddling still. That's fair. Um, I feel that. Matt, yeah. um, once again, yeah. really on board for the, the Legend of Zelda 
flavored uh, real-time strategy resource management game. They don't think Nintendo's going to sign off on that half-hour-long cutscene of Ganon eating Link, um, very like very viscerally. They, they, and they know how important it is to you to keep that in the game. <laughs> so they they just gotta gotta table it for now until they can win Nintendo over on the importance of that cutscene. Listen, don't compromise your creative vision. It's because Doug Bowser is scared. Reggie would have done it, but Doug is scared. <laughs> So that leaves wait, wait. us. Hashtag release the spider cut. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that was actually very good. That was, that very was good. really good. Uh, there you go. Uh, that brings us to Zach and Andrew, um, kind of two sides of di- of the same coin um, as far as games go. And um, unfortunately for Andrew, Zach wins out because they have more faith in the Bioshock franchise. <laughs> And you can't just give the win to your friend. And <laughs> um, I really, I really want to see the game made with um, I forget the character's name because I did not play Bioshock. the The guy who comes in midway and just Frank starts screw Frank Montaigne. The Frank Montaigne Fa- mechanic. Fontaine. Won- Fontaine. Fontaine. The Frank Fontaine mechanic won you the game today, Zach. Because I really like the idea of as you're playing the civilization type game. The AI just comes in and is like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna mess all this up for you." Um, so, congratulations, Zach. Hey, Andrew, um, do you think you might have lost because you went whole hog on pig puns? Hey! <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for for coming today, Zach. Thank you very much for coming on debate this. We were so happy to have you. It was awesome. Uh, we hope we. We hope we can have you back again. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Please, once again, tell our listeners how they can find your show on and um, social media. Yes, uh, we're pretty much around the monitor on everything. Uh, the only exception is Twitter. We're at around the monitor uh, because around the monitor wouldn't fit. So we just use the at sign as the A conveniently. Uh, but everything else, Instagram uh, slash around the monitor, Facebook slash around the monitor. Uh, our Twitch, where we actually live stream our show, is... Twitch.tv slash King Kaiser, and then on YouTube, we're also around the monitor. But yeah, we, we go live every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, and right now, we've actually started doing shows on Fridays as well. One of the weeks, uh, it is a show called Around the Controller, where we do, like, topical... We, we, like, last week, we did our hidden, game, hit, hidden gem games. The week bef- before that, we did our, like, top favorite games of all time. Uh, and then bi-weekly with that, we also do Around the Tabletop, which is our tabletop Let's Play series. Nice. What was uh, what was like a, a hidden gem highlight? Uh, I talked about uh, Leap Beat Agents, which is a game oh, for the yeah. DS. That's a good one. <laughs> Such it's it's only my favorite rhythm game. Uh, if you haven't yeah. played it, which not many people have, it only sold a hundred thousand and twenty copies, uh, which is very low. Uh, I, especially for the DS, which I think sold one hundred and fifty million copies. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. definitely recommend that game. All right, very cool. Um, so. Listeners, thank you for listening to Debate This. Follow along the argument on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Debate This Cast. And you can now find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash debate this cast, where we um, have our Forbgorf and the Office Drones D&D campaign uploaded every month in that fourth week. Um, until next time, I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Matt. Drop the dwarf. 
Cole. I'm Todd, the meme where the guy's walking with the girl and he looks backwards, but the girl is child labor that he's looking backwards, and the girl <laughs> next to him is opening a school, Thomas. I'm Andrew, all pork and no play makes Jack a very dull boy, Henderson. I'm Zach, a man chooses a Schneider. Um, and we are saying thanks for debating with us, and if you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds.